from Fox 8 Sports. You're listening to Fox 8 Overtime. From Fox 8 Studios in New Orleans, welcome into Overtime, the podcast for all things sports, all things Louisiana and everything in between alongside John Bennett producing and Sean Fazan joining us momentarily. We're talking Saints, playoffs, everything in between. But first, a quick request and reminder to subscribe to the podcast. Also, please rate and review it and help us spread the word. And if you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on the Final Play app. We're getting all kinds of questions tonight, but for now, let's get into it. John Bennett, the Saints don't get the help needed. That is the headline. Um, They went into Sunday knowing they needed to handle business in Carolina. Check. Didn't get the help from uh, the Lions beating the Packers, which would have at least given the Saints a a first-round bye. It was close, but the Lions kind of blew it. Blew a 14-point lead. Lions kind of looked like a team that only won three games all year. Yeah. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. It's the... Second half of a game that determines if they get a, a first-round bye and can host a playoff game in Green Bay in January. So, yeah, he was going to step up. Uh, and then the Seahawks, a disappointing ending if you're a Saints fan, if you're a Seahawks fan. They lose the division, uh, losing to San Francisco on Sunday night football, 26-21. They had their chances. They had Russell Wilson with the ball with a little more than two minutes to play, down by five, ready to drive the field. They get to the one-yard line, all kinds of mayhem and madness and mess and delay of games. It was ugly. I'm going to guess that Saints fans are upset that there was a pass interference that you indirectly didn't go their way again. On you that can't write it any better. Like it comes – it's not Marshawn full circle Lynch on yet. on the goal line, and yet they get the the penalty and have to go back. I mean, and then, yeah, sitting there an inch away. As my friend told me uh, – Pete Carroll went to the Les Miles School of Clock Management because that was not ideal. They're using timeouts, timeouts they could have used later and um, would have left the playbook open for a Marshawn Lynch run at the goal line. Instead, you don't have timeouts, you can't do it. It was a mess, man. Uh, Pete Carroll did not handle that game well despite being inside the 15-yard line with a minute to play. So all that, I mean – if you're the Saints, you know, you always say, don't leave it up to other teams. That being said, they're 13-3, and three, and I think you've got a fun stat about that. Yeah, so the Saints are 13-3 and three and have won the division. In the history of the NFL, there have only been two teams that finished 13-3 and three and won the division and will not get a first-round bye. One team, the 2019 Saints. The other team... The 2011 Saints. And John is quick to point out who the top two seeds were in the NFC that year. The Packers and 49ers. What? And the Saints ended up going to San Francisco, and I think now everyone remembers how that went. Yeah, this league is so full of irony. The only other team to finish 13-3 and and, and not get that by, besides the Saints, it was the Titans, but they didn't win their division that year that they did it. They finished 13 and 3. Was that a Colts year? It was the Peyton Manning. I want to say it was the Jaguars maybe in 99. Oh, yeah. I think the Jaguars were 14 and 2. Yep. Yeah. And Fred uh, Taylor, Jimmy Smith. Yeah. And so the the Titans were second in their division at 13 and 3. Uh but yeah, regardless, this kind of stuff, I guess it only happens to the Saints, right? And I mean, you, you can easily look back at the Falcons game as the one that got away. It is. It you know is. the Rams game 
in retrospect, that Rams team isn't that good, but obviously that had very mitigating circumstances. And the 49ers game was just was just an all-out classic. And, I mean, I'm sure if you're the Saints, you can sit there and nitpick yourself to death, but that's a tough one to look back on. But that, be, that brings me to the fact that the Saints uh, won seven games on the road this year, and the only loss was that Rams game. And, in fact... The only two outdoor games that they have lost over the last three seasons have been to the Rams in the LA Memorial Coliseum. They actually have a win at Green Bay just a couple of years ago, too, in 2017. Yeah, it was Brett Hundley, at quarterback, though. Look, it was still in Green Bay. John Bennett ruining my good story with stats. That's what he does. No, look. And facts. Uh, yeah, they, so they to get to the, the nitty-gritty, they will host the Vikings in a noon kickoff. Yeah right here on Fox 8 on Sunday. Um, should they win that game, they will travel to Green Bay, who is the two seed. Uh, and I believe that one will be a late Sunday kickoff. Yeah, uh, like a 5 p.m. kickoff, something like that. Yeah, I think it's 440 or something like that um, the next week. So you have that to look forward to. Two matchups with um, the NFC North. So a couple storylines that pop out about the Vikings matchup. Uh, number one is is going to be the Minneapolis Miracle. Two years later, um, Marcus is, Williams was injured this week. He still ain't tackling. Well, he, he may not even be playing. I mean, with the injury status, he didn't practice all this week, was ruled out Friday. Uh, who knows what the week will bring for him, but certainly it will bring a lot of bad memories for Marcus Williams. And I think, I mean, it'll be interesting to see the tone that the team takes. I mean, the number one thing they're going to say is that was two years ago. It's a totally different team. But it's also not that different of a team. That was the first iteration of this winning Saints Look, these run they've been on. These teams are very familiar with each other. So you look at that 2017 team. That was Case Keenum back there, and um, it was – Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon because Dalvin Cook went down early that year with the ACL injury. Yeah. Um, this time around, the personnel similar outside of Keenum. Um, you've got Dalvin Cook, who is kind of like McKinnon and, Mur and Murray combined. Although he's nursing his own injury. He is. Um, Alexander Madison behind him, not exactly 100% healthy either. The receivers are the most familiar. Um, when you look at Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, um, they've still got Kyle Rudolph. They've added Irv Smith Jr., um, Laquan Treadwell. Uh, so they've got a number of weapons, number of guys that the Saints are familiar with, guys that have had success at, against the Saints at times, guys that the Saints have had success against at times. The defense, pretty familiar. We're talking about Daniil Hunter, um, a, uh, a sack machine on the defensive line, a solid group of linebackers. Xavier Rhodes, though he's not the Xavier Rhodes that he once was, and Harrison Smith, an all-pro caliber safety. And remember, Xavier Rhodes really blanketed Mike Thomas to at the beginning of that playoff game. And by the end of that game, he wanted no parts of what Mike Thomas was doing to him. Yeah. Um, so, look, it, it's familiar. And they met just last year. They did. And that was with Kirk Cousins and the Saints. Brought out bad Kirk. A couple turnovers. 
And you, the number one, uh, the star of that game for the Saints, he ended up being Defensive Player of the Week. P.J. Williams. Who very well could be stepping in for any of the injured guys in the Saints. He does secondary. it all. He's a Swiss Army knife of the secondary now. He plays some safety. He plays some nickel. He can play outside at times. though. That's he can be physical. He's got a good little celebration after the big hits. He Yes, he does play very well around the line of scrimmage. He's a pretty good tackler. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's we'll, we'll get into it more this week, but to give it to you, you know, on the outside looking in and, and just diving into the matchup, it's it's a familiar matchup. It's um, Mike Zimmer and Sean Payton are good friends. They are. One, the defensive mastermind. One, the offensive mastermind. Um, and it's also, it's uh, it's head coach, car- coaching carousel season. So the Saints have a couple of assistants who could be dealing with the distraction of interviewing for other jobs this week. Uh, Dennis Allen, Dan Campbell, both mentioned by Jay Glazer on Fox this morning. And then the Vikings offensive coordinator, Kevin Stefanski, is also considered to be a coaching candidate. It is amazing. (laughs) People, I don't know what it is. People love Vikings offensive coordinators, right? Because, like, Pat Shermer goes to the Giants. He's about to get fired. Um, DiFilippo gets fired by the Vikings. I guess gets, fails upward fails sideways into the job, the same job with the Jaguars. And while they were okay at times and he did a decent job with Gardner Minshew, uh, that's not an offense that exactly sticks out to me either. So, sure, keep hiring Vikings offensive coordinators. That's what seems to be the thing. But I will say Kirk Cousins has a quarterback rating of 107.4 this year, which is the highest of his career. Yes. He's got 26 touchdowns, six interceptions. Kirk's got to prove he can win the big game, though. And that's been something uh, he has definitely struggled at. Uh, couldn't have looked any worse. Well, Saints fans were rooting for him Monday night against the yeah, Packers. And, and he let him down. Fell to 0-9 on Monday nights. So Supreme Irony would tell you, Kirk comes out and balls out and gives the Saints a heck of a game well, on Sunday, right? Well, it's only a right? It's not in prime time. Yeah. I think that's the, the real kryptonite. Well, either way, it's a big game. And, and this is a Saints team that, um, as Deuce McAllister mentioned on the final play, probably a little disappointed that you finish 13-3 and three and don't get a first-round bye. Like, you tell any team they finish 13-3 and three at the beginning of the year, I don't even think they're thinking they're going to play in the wild-card round. Yeah. But that's where it is. As John mentioned, that's what happens when um, things happen, like the L.A. loss, which I think if the Saints and Rams line that up again, the Saints probably win. That's a team that's always just giving the Saints some issues, though. But the Falcons, ones, that's the game that sticks out. Yeah. Um, and it's not that they lost because there's a lot of parity in the NFL. The Falcons beat the 49ers not too long after that. But just the way that the Saints looked in that game, they have, they didn't look that bad all year. I coming mean, off the bye. Coming off the bye. Drew Brees back. Like It, it just wasn't good. That's, it's and a the, stinky game. The really game. surprising thing is that they've been really good since then and especially good on the, the last three, if not four, four games offensively last mm-hmm. three games as a complete team and that's one of the main reasons that a lot of the conversation on Fox 8 this week has been this team's ready for any challenge they are and I think the thing that you've got to put out of your mind Saints fans Saints players coaches anybody is the fact that I get it and and we had this debate a little bit amongst yeah me, myself John and Sean Fazan earlier, just how, are are these playoff records home and away, are they a little bit overrated? Look, the bottom line was in the NFC, from one to six, these are all good teams. Like, 
you you don't have any Titans in here. You don't have any like weak division winners. That are yeah. seven and nine. You don't have any like Texans in here. Um, maybe the Eagles are, I guess, yeah, the weak the link one. of it because they're they're so banged up, so banged up. Um, but shout out to Boston Scott, three touchdowns. But of all the possibilities for the Saints to face, like the Vikings, I, I would never say that's that's an, an easy matchup because of just what they bring defensively and the talent they have, and the fact that you know if they get guys back, they they're a pretty healthy team. Um, but you were gonna have to face Aaron Rodgers at some point, more than likely, right? And whether you got whether they were the three seed and ended up coming to the dome as a two seed or um, whatever it might have been, you probably were gonna have to face him. And Aaron Rodgers is good wherever you put him. It's just the Saints are gonna ha- might might have to beat him if they can get past the Vikings in Green Bay. Early forecast for what? Uh, I saw the extended forecast for that days out was like a high of twenty five, low of twenty one. Yeah, forty percent chance of, of uh, precipitation. But mm. I feel like that could just be like the average for a Sunday, January twelfth. Yeah, that's about Green the Bay. expectations. I got friends that live up there, man. They'll tell you it ain't it ain't it ain't really fun at this time of year. But um, we had the stat on the, the tailgate show earlier. The Saints averaging one hundred thirty-seven yards rushing, I believe, on the road the last three seasons. Yeah. In those games that they're fifteen and two. Yep. So um, they're just fine outdoors. Don't. And look, I, you were gonna have to face the forty. The, it's gonna go through the 49ers again too. And, and, and the, the 49ers San played Francisco well in the dome. Can be cold, yeah. And, and and the Saints can play well in San Francisco. Like, and I think last year we saw the myth of. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Last year in the NFC Championship game, Jared Goff was rattled for those first three drives, mm-hmm. but eventually it settled down. So these teams, these three teams, in my opinion, the 49ers, the Packers, and the Saints are. All so good. It's not neutral field, and there is home field advantage. I, I definitely believe in that, but they are all good enough to win at home and on the road. I think it was always going to come down to that. The biggest factor in this is that the Saints don't get the bye and don't get the week to rest and heal up and prepare a little bit more. We don't get to prepare. We get no rest. We get Saints playoffs. Then if they win, we get another playoff game followed by the national championship. So pray for us <laughs> because it's been stressful. Don't worry, Chris. My caffeine intake's been down all season just getting ready for this this stretch. Well, you're going to need it. Speaking of which, should we wrap it up? Well, we'll, bring in, we'll bring in Sean Fazan. Indeed. Sean Fazan joining the podcast now. And look, regardless of where the Saints play and – who they will play, that's down the road. They looked outstanding today against Carolina, and I think they looked like a team that uh, is hitting their stride, especially offensively at the right time of the year. Yeah, I think that's kind of picked up over the last, what, six or seven weeks here where it just feels like offensively they are who we always thought they were and should have been all season. And, um They've really kind of catapulted their game here in December, which is obviously the perfect time to do so. As for today's game, I was happy to see that the Saints saw a weak team. They saw a team that's pro- that was clearly playing with their bags packed, uh, and they came in and they just dominated uh, quickly, uh, efficiently, and rather easily they got in. And that game was over after the first drive. Chris, I that was the easiest opening drive I've seen all season. And I think there's still something to be said regardless of the situation for the Panthers and the fact that they are, you know, done and played like a team that had quit. Um, 
Green Bay was facing a similar type exactly. of team in Detroit and needed a last-second field goal. I mean, it's still the NFL. It's still you. no one's going to hand you a win. Guys are still going to play. And until Luke Keekley was removed from the game, the Panthers were um, you know, still actively trying to do something, and the Saints were just having none of it. I mean, they flexed that they are dominant. Now, had the Saints come out with that kind of fire in a couple other games, maybe they never needed any help. But – I think it showed that the Saints are a team to be reckoned with. And right now, especially compared to a year ago, they look miles better offensively. And so that should put fear into the rest of the NFC regardless. Um, specifically, the fact that Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook, and Michael Thomas are all hitting on all cylinders. I don't know how you stop them. Yeah. And look, I, it takes it. We've seen teams that have limped to the finish line or that have gone into this last week of the season against a struggling team, a reeling team, and you just don't play well. You mentioned the Green Bay Packers, perfect example. And so it takes it takes a certain mindset to kind of galvanize and not just get to the finish line, blow through the finish line with a an, it's a, with an incredible performance that they had today, offensively, defensively, and. Uh, so I, I just think right now I love where the head's at. Um, and right now I just think just point them in the direction of where they got to play mm-hmm. and they're going to show up and it, they're going to be a tough, tough, tough team to beat. And I'm just going to say it. I think they're the best team in the NFC going into the playoffs. Yeah, and, and depth plays a role in that. Um, when you look at yeah. the injuries they've taken – and how they've powered through. And I, I was thinking about that earlier, right? I'm, I'm looking at teams like the Eagles. And, I mean, two straight years, really three straight years, they're a team that uh, has dealt with a lot of injuries and had a lot to overcome. And, like, so often they're given that excuse, well, Alshon Jeffrey's been banged up and Jordan Howard went down for a while and Carson Wentz wasn't 100% and this and that. And Zach Ertz had to miss it, whatever. So I get that. That's a it's an okay excuse. But outside of the Drew Brees injury and Teddy Bridgewater situation where the Saints were a clear-cut best backup in the league mm-hmm. ahead of everyone else, the Saints have dealt with as many injuries as any other team and as much as any other team um, could withstand without really caving. And the Saints did not. Running back, they've mm-hmm. dealt with injuries. Tight end, they've missed Jared Cook at times. Um all D-line, over the secondary, secondary D-line, linebacker. linebacker. I mean, they've done it. And so I think part of why you can say they're the best team in the NFC is because they're one of the best managed teams in the NFC, and they've put together a roster that not just with Bridgewater, not just with Latavius Murray, but all over they are confident in everyone from first to fifth strength. And it really speaks to the front office, if we're being honest, and I don't know that they get enough credit because everywhere they seem to have injuries, including the offensive line, they seem to have depth. You know, Nick Easton fills in for Andrews Pete. You'd make a trade for Kiko Alonso. It didn't seem like anything at the time, but then Alex Anzalone goes mm-hmm. down. Kiko goes down, and you have a guy like Craig Robertson. You have a guy like, uh, obviously, A.J. Klein was out for a minute, Demario Davis, but you're able to manage. You bring in Manti Teo, who didn't play today, obviously, but certainly can, can fill a role. Stephon Anthony, who is obviously a special teams guy. Um, you look what they're doing right now in the secondary, kind of the makeshift secondary with Janoris Jenkins and D.J. Swearinger, who both played today. Janoris Jenkins got a got an interception, and P.J. Williams played some safety, so Jenkins played some uh, some cornerback. Patrick Robinson. So this this 13-3 and three is as much attributed to the front office as any other part of the team because – 
it doesn't take much to damage your depth in the NFL. Nope. Because injuries are going to happen, and, not, and it's not like you get injuries somewhere, and, and well, when an injured player goes out, a healthy player is coming up somewhere else. I mean, it doesn't work like that in the NFL. You've got to manage. Some some teams do better than others, and I think this was Jeff Ireland and Terry Fontenot's best year just in terms of the roster that was created based on what was available via resources uh, with both top-end talent and depth because as we've seen, they had some injuries on the D-line as well, as we've seen, uh, you're only as good as your second or third guy, tier guys yep. Especially in the NFL. at this part of the year. Especially at this part of the year where a lot of teams get banged up and obviously some injuries are going to be more severe than others, but the Saints have managed. Um, they continue to get guys out on the field and um, credit the guys who are playing hurt because I think a lot of them are, um, especially when you look at some of those linemen and Andrews Pete coming back after breaking his forearm and Larry Warford and um, Teron Armstead going in and out of games. Something that Rankins, Davenport, I mean, all these guys. Something that Teron Armstead hasn't always done. I mean, he's been a guy that at times when he's gone down, he's had to he's just out the rest of the game, maybe out the next week, and he has fought through some ankle injuries. Um, fought he went out briefly today. Yeah. Oh. Um, so I think that's that's that says a lot about the focus of this team, and I think, look, it's it it says a lot about the sacrifice because guys are playing hurt. I mean, well, they do it all over look, the league, but look, they, are, look, they have in, a clear goal. I've been in this chair or in this office in like years like 07 or 08, 14, where, oh, I got an ankle injury. I want to just go on IR. I mean, it's easy to do that when you're a losing team and, you, and things aren't going so well. Uh, but when there's a winning vibe, a, a great culture, man, all of a sudden you, you, you feel like you can overcome some of these injuries, some of these nicks and bruises. And, you mentioned Armstead. Um, I don't think Kamara's finally back to full health. I think he was battling at some point this season. Um, other players as well. Um, they want to be a part of this ride. And I, and now that we've gotten to the postseason, I think now we can really start to truly dive into what happened last postseason as a motivating force. Because I think that was a motivating kind of outlying or uh, you know just kind of the, the in the background all season. But once you get into the kind of the, the grind of the season, that kind of takes a back seat. Now that we're back in the postseason, I think what happened last year in terms of the bitter taste, just the, the last two years really, the bitter taste, um, getting robbed, uh, and just knowing this is all you wanted. You There's nothing else matters but getting to the Super Bowl and winning it. I think now is the proper time to start talking about the last two years' motivation into the postseason. Yeah. I mean, they, they've done the work. They've gotten the shot. They've... Um, to win 13 games is a testament itself to the fact that they didn't look too far ahead. I say it about LSU all the time. They, there were so many opportunities and so many big games in a college football season that Joe Burrow and, and the coaches and Ogeron, they could have all looked mm -hmm. ahead to, and they didn't, and that's why they're where they are, and that's why the Saints are where they are. Um, did they have some trip-ups? Yes, most NFL teams do. Um, but they stayed focused on the goal, and they're in the end game now, that's as I love to say. Um, and look, that that loss to Atlanta looks a lot better now because that team is so much better than we thought. Yeah, well, actually, they're as good as we thought. They're better than that record. Um, LA game loss was something. Obviously, the 49ers game was a bit of a toss up. Um, but to those listening, don't discount how difficult it is in the NFL to win 13 games. And now you're 13 and three for back-to-back -back seasons. 37 and 11, I believe, over the last uh, three correct. seasons. So, from where this organization historically has been to what they've become since 06, I'll take that for granted because um, 
we get caught up in seeding and all this other stuff. To win 13 games in a season is hard. Especially as good as the NFC was this year. Yeah, exactly. You got the NFC West on your schedule. Teams like Seattle, San Francisco, right. L.A. Even Arizona's played some really good football um, once they've kind of found their groove. Yeah, they're a little bit better than I thought they were going to be, Arizona. You've got teams like um, the Cowboys, who, say what you will, still a formidable enough opponent. I mean, they played a first-place schedule. Mm -hmm. That's why there's parity in the NFL because – Teams can go from the bottom to the top because when you're on a fourth-place schedule, you might run up against teams like Washington or um, New York, and, you know, you can take those wins. And, look, I'm not discounting a team like, you know, the 49ers, but from where they were playing a third-place schedule and, and, and getting some of those easier games on the schedule, maybe you get a, a couple more free wins. And the Saints are facing teams that have won their division the last couple of years. Point being... Don't take 13 for granted. Don't take 13 for granted. Uh, how do you feel? Did this regular season feel long or short to you? Because I kind of feel like every now and then I'll, I'll be like, wow, the Teddy Bridgewater run, which was the biggest story of our month for the or five weeks when he was here, or not when he was, when he was playing, when he was starting, it kind of feels like a long time ago. I, I don't know. I, it's, it, I, sometimes I feel like it just got here. Other times I feel like it, it's kind of been a long season. It didn't feel long to me until today's game when I was like, oh, my God, put the Panthers out of their right, misery. It's done. This was this that was so bad, but um, no, I I think because <coughs> there were clear cut stakes really mm. every step of the way when you talk about Drew Brees going down and then we immediately pointed started looking at when he could return, but in the meantime, each week with Teddy Bridgewater was an adventure it really because was. you didn't know what was going to come because every game took on a different identity every game. Then soon after Brees comes back, within that next month, the Saints are able to clinch. The division, so that is another clear-cut goal checked off. Then it's like you enter this next quarter or next third of the season where um, the goal is uh, first-round by or playoff seeding, and so that's the portion that we got through now. So I think it was broken down into three. I think that's kind of how I saw it. I didn't think it was long just until, you know, I said it today in the office to you guys. Every next time the NFL tries to make the air, the regular season long, I'm going to point to like. Right. The Ravens playing backups against the Steelers yeah. and um, the Saints just dragging the Panthers out of their own stadium and just say, look, y you don't need it. Don't need it. And um, if you want to make the postseason longer, so be it. But I don't think that you necessarily need a longer regular uh, season schedule. Um, but then I go back to when Breeze was injured, just the anxiety around everything. Mm -hmm. And then I go back to the contrast from Breeze's injury to the first time I was in the locker room in Seattle. And walking out being like, okay, this team's okay. This team, there's no anxiety in this locker room. That's a good thing because sometimes you can you can cut tension with a knife, and I just didn't feel it. So um, it just goes to show you, I mean, just every every season is its own unique journey, and there's just all these little milestones. I mean, we're learning it with LSU as well. So been a fun year, but the regular season is over, but the postseason is here, so they're not done yet. And on that note, that's going to do it for us on the Overtime Podcast today. But before you guys go, a quick request and reminder, please subscribe to the podcast. Also, rate and review it to help us spread the word. And if you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on the Final Play app. A lot of questions about right, right about now. Uh, the playoff seedings were mentioned, but... Look, I know everybody's going to want to know about the Vikings and what we think about the Saints, etc. Hit us up. We'll try to get to those on the midweek edition of our Saints podcast as the Saints prepare to take on the Minnesota Vikings, a noon game right here on Fox 8. Plenty of coverage this week and leading up to it. Until then, we'll talk to you next time 
on Overtime. At Keesler Federal Credit Union, if it's important to you, it's important to us. Here, you're more than a customer, you're a member. And we're more than a financial services provider. We're your financial partner with a genuine interest in your life. So whether you want the best rate on a credit card for the things you love, a home loan for the people you love, or savings and checking that work as hard as you do, we've got you covered. And that's a good thing. From Fox 8 Sports, this has been Fox 8 Overtime.